You don't need any tool, you don't need anything else other than yourself, your mind and your breath and your body, of course. And this is like something I think it's accessible to everyone. And yoga itself, the biggest lesson it has taught me, it's about how to be at peace. My conversation with Maryam Dhaneshpur, a yoga teacher from Iran, was so powerful as we looked at the creative elements and aspects of yoga and what Maryam is dreaming up to help serve yoga practitioners through her company, Mata Design. Maybe our conversation made you want to be more intentional with your time and your energy or made you want to cultivate spaces to be in the present moment. If you're looking to tune into a podcast episode that is all about yoga in Iran, then this is the conversation for you. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Wild Yoga Tribe podcast. I'm your host, Lily Allen Duenas. Together, we'll talk about the world of yoga and we'll talk to people from around the world. Before diving into the episode, I wanted to invite you to head on over to my Patreon account. I would love your support and I'm thrilled to have this beautiful community space where we can do yoga together, meditate together, and you'll get access to exclusive content. Get ready for some private Zoom Q&As, free printable art, meditation recordings, and more. Follow the link in the show notes to get started or head on over to any of my social media channels or my website, wildyogatribe.com to hang out, get to know each other better and find out more about all the support and resources available to you. Ready to dive in? Let's get started. Namaste, family, and welcome back to the Wild Yoga Tribe podcast. Today, I am so excited to be joined by Maryam Dhaneshpur. She's a yoga teacher from Iran who has been teaching yoga for five years. She was certified with a 200-hour yoga teacher training in Hatha Yoga from Mysore, India. And beyond yoga, she holds degrees in industrial design, and she owns Mada Design Studio. So with a foundation in Hatha Yoga, her classes emphasize the essence of yoga while incorporating pranayama and meditation for comprehensive well-being. So thank you so much, Maryam, for joining me on the show today. Hello, Lily. I'm so excited to be here. How are you? I'm good. A little sick. Maybe my listeners can notice that my voice is a little lower than normal, a little under the weather, but I'm hopefully going to be better any day now because it's been about a week of this cold. You do sound perfect to me. Beautiful voice as always. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So, Mariam, just to start the conversation for us, you and I, and for our listeners, how did yoga first come into your life? The first time that I stepped into a yoga studio, it was, I was around 23, 24 years old. And it came to me through my mom. Actually, basically, like where we used to live in our neighborhood, there was like a local gym that they offer different type of sports. And my mom, she was doing Pilates and she was joining the yoga classes, but it was not what she wanted. She liked more of a different style of a sport, strength and activity. But when she told me that there's a yoga and you should try it, I said, okay, let me just 
go ahead and see what is it about. Because a few years back, I heard about yoga through one friend who was like a teacher. And I never attended the classes. So I said, okay, I'm going to try. And once I joined for the first time, there was something about it that really caught me. And if I want to say what exactly it was, I couldn't say it in the first day. But as I kept practicing, it came to me to know that once I'm stepping into the yoga studio and I'm practicing, I just lose the passing of time. And also I was learning that I'm at the present moment. I feel that I lose the connection with the world outside of the studio. I'm not thinking about anything else, any worries, classes. That time I was going to university, nothing. I was there with myself at peace. And that is the main reason that I kept continuing doing yoga. Up to that moment, I had a background of a sport. Since I was 10 or 11, I was doing like competitive swimming. And it was always the sport to me was about competition. Since I was a teenager, I was always in the swimming team at the school and I was always doing trainings. And once I was going to the pool, I had this idea that, okay, I have to be fast. I have to be better. I have to be better with the person next to me. And stepping into yoga studio to me was that I am actually in competition with myself. And that is what was really interesting to me. And like it made yoga a passion. I was waiting for the days of the classes to come. so I could go and join the classes at the studio. And I have to also be honest and say that the first practice of me was with a very nice teacher. She was really into yoga and into sacred practice of yoga not just into the form that nowadays we see it's being physical and like getting to do this pose and that pose and how I can get to do a certain pose or posture. And it was just mainly feeling the moment and how to enjoy the practice, like exactly whether it was meditation or whether it was pranayamas or it was like the physical part of the yoga. It was all merged into each other and she was really doing it beautifully. And that was like maybe one of the reasons that I got really into it. It is so powerful to find the right teacher, isn't it? Yeah. And then also to have it be from the beginning, like your first teacher to have that ability to really create union between all of the modalities or elements and the limbs of yoga. So it's definitely a big gift when that happens right from day one. And as you said, it's like that first day, that first class, you couldn't quite put your finger on it, what it was, but you kept coming back. So now do you feel like you can put your finger on it? How would you define what you were experiencing? Yeah, basically like to me, exactly. It become like the sacred corner of my life, which is if I feel doubtful or stressful, it is one of the tools, one of the most beautiful tools that I can say I can use to just ease myself at any point. Going into the yoga class and stepping on the mat, I knew that I'm putting a switch off button at that moment. And I'm starting something which is going to keep me away of everything, every 
stress out there, outside of this door. <laughs> and I'm just practicing here with my student and I'm just here at the right moment. And this is the moment that life is happening. My mind is not in the past, is not in the future. I'm not worrying, I'm not stressing. And I'm just here on the mat practicing, giving it all 100% of myself to this practice. And that is exactly what happened to me when I started practicing. When I was at the yoga studio, I was there 100%. Yes, there were times that my mind will jump. After all, we're all humans. And this will happen to all of us in the middle of the practice. Like sometime, maybe our mind will get distracted. But we will stay focused. And this is one of the biggest lessons I think that I got from yoga, to stay in the present moment and not to worry what is happening after two hours. If I want to tell you about my life, because yoga to me is as a passion, I'm doing it. It's not a job. I love teaching just because of the, the feeling that it brings to me and spreading this beautiful art and lifestyle to as much humans as we can. What I love hearing you say is how stepping on your yoga mat was like switching an off switch. Okay, the rest of the day is gone or the rest of the morning or the whatever's coming up next in the evening, like it's just all off and you get to be on your mat or on in that time and in that space, just completely present. I like that analogy so much about saying the off switch because I really do feel that it is so important for us to be in the present moment and when we are filled with our day-to-day lives, filled with distractions, the buzzes of our phone, the dings of our email, the car horns, the honking, the TV in the background, there's just so much going on. So I love the idea of stepping on the mat and really stepping away from everything. But on the flip side of that, it is such an amazing time to practice with everything that's arising too. So not shutting out what's going on or turning off our, our mind or our hearts or our emotions, being open and on to what's inside of us and off, I think, to what is external, the internal and external, right? Yeah, correct. And if I want to tell you about my life, see, I'm doing yoga as a passion, not as a job. So basically, if I want to say the income part for me, it's not important at all. And I'm a designer and I'm running an interior design company as well. So I have a big chaos going on, dealing with clients, with subcontractors, with difficulties in its own world, which is at the same time, I feel blessed that I can do that. But at the same time, I have a big, let's say, case maybe going on. For example, tomorrow, maybe I have a big meeting or I have a big presentation about like the case going on. But I know that tonight, let's say I'm going to record a podcast, right? And what I did once I come home, I said, okay, now is the time that I'm going to have with Lily. And like, this is a blessing to talk about yoga with her and what I need to enjoy this moment. The same way that when I go to the yoga class and I switch off outside world and I enjoy the moment, I have to be able to enjoy this one hour that I'm going to spend talking with Lily, right? So I put on some candles, I put some tea next to me, and I decided 
that I will not think about tomorrow. I'm just going to be present now and I will give my 100% all my cells of my body to this podcast with Lily now. And if I look at it this way, I can say that actually life is the present moment, right? We are too much like into our heads worrying about the next day or the next hour, which is we forget about the right exact moment, right? Yes. Yes. And my husband asked me an interesting question the other night at dinner, and I appreciate that he asks interesting questions, but he asked me, what are you obsessed with lately? And I don't know what pops in your mind. It can be yoga or it can be a new book you're reading. But for me, I was thinking how I sometimes feel obsessed with the future, obsessed with hitting a goal or creating something or planning a retreat or just all these things that I think are happening in the future. I think so much of my energy is directed towards building and creating. And I love how you brought that up about how we are very future focused, but life does happen here in this present moment something I know and I practice, but creating the space, and I love that you did it for me here on the podcast so much, but creating the space to be present and setting the intention to be present for this time and present with a certain thing in your life. It doesn't have to be a podcast, of course, for our listeners. It can be a dinner with your friend or a partner, or it can be anything, but having that clear intention of being present. Yeah, correct. Exactly. And Miriam, I know that you do have this degree in industrial design and you do own the Mata Design Studio. And as you mentioned, you teach yoga as a passion, not as a full-time job. But is there anything in particular about your background in design that you bring into your approach for teaching yoga? Are there any synergies between these two different disciplines? I think I can maybe say that when I remember I was in Mysore and we were getting the lessons of teaching methodology and how to design your step-by-step teaching and uh, that part of being a teacher, I believe how you will design a class and how you will approach for your students every day. It's not something just repeating and bringing it into that zone, which is they might say that, oh, this is like every time it's repeating the same thing. So as a yoga teacher, you need to be also creative. You need to create different sequences and also thinking, okay, what I'm going to give them like for the next class. Or sometimes it happens in the moment. Sometimes you're not designing uh, a sequence of your practice for the students. Sometimes you will just decide it in the moment. So I think maybe that creativity part somehow could be related. And from the other aspect, I have always had like idea of designing some products for the yogis, like some movements, and they have limited mobility and they need to get assistance of some tools, right? That is actually one of the things I'm thinking because industrial design basically is a big line of product designing, right? And you can be a product design of anything, lighting designing, it can be furniture designing, it can be electronics, actually the coverage of the electronics, like packaging or... So I was thinking I could start designing a line of products related to yoga, uh, which could assist uh, many people that have difficulty with movements. And this is going to be happening in the future with Mother Design Studio as well. I think that is one of the reasons I chose the same name, which is uh, my initials, Mada as Mariam Daneshpur, for design and also for yoga. 
Ooh, beautiful. I love that you have the passion to create products for yoga teachers who may be needing something and you're curious about serving those needs through a product or do you have any that you want to share or does that feel like, oh, it's just too up in the cloud and you're... No, I can't share. Yeah, yeah, I can share because I have thought about it a lot and I have cooked some ideas. Back in my store, I remember there was one corner of our shala, which we had some like wooden tools, actually, like even they were big ones uh, for people who, for example, like they want to try backbending. So basically it was like a big curve that... uh, you could lie down on it and like it will let your head hanging from the other side and like your back bend will be like even up to 90 degree. But it was uh, not adjustable and it was just uh, stuck and uh, you couldn't fix it according to your body let's say mobility if you can go up to 60 degree only back bend then you couldn't go further more and it was not safe to use it. So I think like some adjustable tools could be helping so many people to do so many of the moves and poses in a safer way. Like usually we use bands or blocks to help ourselves to fill the gap and the space. So if we have some useful tools at the studios, I think they're going to be helpful for so many students. I love the concept of having tools that are adjustable for people's bodies because we all do have such different bodies and to have that ability to tune it also as you progress with, let's say, different degrees of angles and changing that as you go. Yeah. You've mentioned going to Mysore to study Hatha yoga. Most students uh, think of Mysore and they think of Ashtanga immediately. That's where where everyone seems to go to, for the Mysore to study with the Padabhi Joyce as family. But I was yeah. wondering, what brought you to Mysore to study Hatha? Yeah. I think since I started doing yoga, also... Almost in the same time, Instagram started growing. It come come in our uh, lives. And I remember I used to see so many teachers, which I was inspired by them, doing yoga, like Kino yoga. And I remember she was going to Mysore every now and then with her husband, doing classes and practicing. And I was curious. So I started following the community who was going to Mysore for practicing. And I was seeing that it's rather different than what in other parts of the world happening. And maybe the reason is it's very traditional. The way I got to Mysore actually was <laughs> very crazy because I didn't go with any group or tour or anything arranged, right? I just, I remember I searched on Google for the studios and I was checking like the reviews and like the locations. And I chose a place And I just booked a taxi from Bangalore to Mysore because once you fly to India and you reach to Bangalore, uh, there's no airports in Mysore. So you have to drive around five hours. And it's like the road is very busy and like full of cars. And I remember I arrived there about night time, like eight or nine p.m. And once I arrived, I went directly to that accommodation 
And what I found was not what I really expected. So I started searching again for other places. And I thought, okay, when you don't know where you're traveling, this is what is going to happen. But actually, it turned out to be very good because at the airport, I met some people that they were also going to Mysore. And I heard the studio that they were going to study at and practice at. And I just searched the name of that studio. And by chance, I happened to have a very beautiful community there through those people. And I had 30 days uh, of a stay in India. And uh, my school timing became shorter because I stepped to the next school and it became three weeks. So I had also the chance of one extra week to go around and search and see other places. So I remember once I finished the yoga courses, I booked another road trip and I went to the west coast of India, which is very beautiful. And I spent like a week there just on the beach, very quiet, practicing yoga, being at ease. And uh, it was really one of the nicest experiences of my life. I would never forget that. And I think one of the reasons was like the place was really peaceful really quiet. And along the beach, there were small cafes next to each other. And behind each cafe, you will find the small huts to rent. And actually, the name of the place, if I'm not mistaken, it was Gokarna. It is around one hour south of Goa. And you can also find some yoga shalas there to practice yoga. Amazing. And I love hearing how you showed up in India late at night. My first time to India, I also showed up very late at night and I took a taxi as well to go to Kerala. So it was a long drive. At least in my memory, it was Delhi this first time, but I've been to India twice and I've spent four months there. And I also have all these memories of late at night and taxis and all these cars But then you're right when things fall into place, when you just, you show up in the right spot and you feel it, ah, oh, I'm supposed to be here. And it's incredible. There is that trepidation, that worry of, oh, if I'm in the wrong spot, making sure you can find your way to the right one. But as you, it sounds like through word of mouth, through searching and asking around, you found your right place. I also would encourage any yoga teacher, any student who's listening to this podcast that maybe wants to book a trip somewhere and doesn't know where to go. One, you have all these amazing teachers on the podcast, reach out to them. They're wonderful. But two, if you show up in a place and you ask around your answer will come. It can be very organic that way. Yeah, exactly. This is what happened to me because once I arrived by chance, like those other people that I met them at the airport and like I merged with them and like we had a very nice experience of the, the all the courses that we took together and I found very good friends, which is until today I'm connected to. And like also I remember my roommate, She, I was like sharing a room with one Spanish girl, Rose. I say hi to her from here. And she, after that, she come with me to Iran and she stay with me and my family and she explore also Iran. And it was actually, I can say it was like one of the best trips I have had in my whole life. And from outside, when you think, okay, going to India, it might, for some people, they think that, oh, it's a very big, wild country and you're going to get lost. But no, there's like a nice community of people there and they're very good actually with the tourists my experience personally was very nice 
I love that you also met someone who you brought back to Iran to explore with you. And that's just so beautiful and precious. I also have one of my best yoga friends I've met on my journey is from Egypt, from Cairo. And I've gone to Egypt three times to visit her and I was in her wedding and she came this year to be in my wedding in the United States. So yoga friends are very precious. And Miriam, though, I love to hear about yoga in Iran. Are there yoga studios? Is What's going on? uh, What's the pulse, would you say, of yoga in Iran? Yeah, actually, from many years ago, there has been community of yoga, like everywhere else, but it was very small and not very well known. But nowadays, almost in every neighborhood, you can find yoga. As I told you before, the first time I went uh, to yoga, actually, I went to the local gym. Uh, How it works there, municipality uh, has like a small gym or like a sports center in each neighborhood and you can find them like very close to each other the locations and uh, also there are many different type of activities that they offer one of them as yoga i i started there for the first time and i didn't have the luxury of a very private like nice yoga studio near my place but this was like what i attended for the first time it was perfect for me because i found a very professional teacher to practice with and to start practicing with her and yeah but nowadays Other than those local centers, you can find many yoga studios, which is they're active and they're working. Either they have yoga studios or you can even enjoy classes with them online. And there are many actually Iranian yoga teachers also in different parts of the world. It's a very huge number of yoga teachers. And I believe you will start interviewing the rest of the Iranian yoga community And there are many professional ones there also. That's amazing. I feel like, oh, it's going to sound weird, but I feel like my gut reaction about yoga in Iran would be that it would not be popular, that it wouldn't have been something that would have been available 20 years ago. There's so many countries around the world that yoga hasn't been present in, and except for the last few years, maybe. It's such a blessing and so amazing that yoga in Iran has been going on for decades. Yeah, of course. Today that I know, many yoga teachers that they teach in Iran, they are staying there because teaching in local language also is very important. Like myself, I started teaching in English and I am international yoga teacher. Most of the teachers in Iran, many of them, they take their yoga teacher training in Iran, and they're having local students. Basically, they teach in Persian. For me, like when I started teaching yoga, that feeling that you have the first class, second class, that you're trying to find your own voice and like how to guide the student through your voice and everything. For me, it started with English. So when I wanted to teach some uh, Persian students later on, for the first time, it was like, again, I'm teaching for the first time. Because teaching in different languages is rather different, like the way that you take the tone or like you're thinking of, of the translation, okay, how I say it. Uh, but most of the yoga teachers in Iran, they're just like teaching in Persian. And even nowadays, I see in uh, social media, uh, they are like t- uh, having the courses online or anything for the Persian community. Because there is, I don't know, a conflict of 
I've seen a new generation, they speak more English, but the old generation, they are not so much speaking English. Yeah, I understand that there's so much importance yeah. at being able to teach in the local language so that it's not just yoga for people who maybe have the education to speak English or people who are foreigners. I do hear that a lot from guests, from yoga teachers around the world, that a lot of their students are expats. So people from South Africa or Australia or Canada, the U.S. And so they're teaching in English. But I do think offering classes in the local language is amazing because that means that locals can come. They feel welcome and invited and like it's part of their community, not something separate from it. Yeah, true. So, Miriam, we've talked a little bit about yoga in Iran, but can you tell us, me and our listeners, about Iran as a country? Can you tell us maybe, one, where it is on a map, of course, but two, what is your culture and your country known for? Iran is one of the oldest civilizations. And if I want to say, because I study history of art and through history of art and architecture and like the evidence that shows in the cities, in different parts of your country, you can say that how historical your country is, right? And let's say about the Persian community in Iran, it's like one tribe. And then we have also different tribes living everyone under one flag. There are other cities speaking different languages. If I travel to their cities, yes, they all speak Persian, but they have different accents. And even some of them, when they speak, I don't understand exactly what language they're speaking because they have a different way of talking. But actually, the official language of the country itself is Persian, like all the textbooks and a school base is Persian and based on our literature. And about the food and the culture, every city, they have their own way of having a general meal, which is basically kebab and grills and different type of way of cooking meat is something general for all cities. But there are different type of stews and like food, which is maybe like people in Isfahan, they make it and they eat it. But people in Tehran, they never tried it. And you will try it once you travel to that city. And even for the traditional clothing and different style of outfit for some of the traditional based tribes in different parts of the country, you will see that they dress differently, like they have their own outfits. And what is a special, I think, about Iran that if people will travel to Iran, they will find it amazing. It's the hospitality of the people are very warm and welcoming. And at the same time, there's a lot to experience as a tourist because we have three different type of climates. Like north of Iran is completely green and like full of beautiful jungles along the Caspian Sea. And we have a lot of mountains and like the hiking points, which is like so attractive and touristy. And also we have a vast desert in the heart of Iran, which is it's very nice to camp and go for safari. And then many historical places like old buildings, mosques, and even in Shiraz, we have Takht Jamshid, which is for the old Persian empire around 2,500 years ago. So I think when people, they will go to Iran, they have a very different ex- experience because they will find culture plus history, plus hospitality. And that is very welcoming for a tourist. 
because when you go to a place this is basically what you're looking for right and also always i tell my friends i said when you come to iran you can go for skiing in the morning in the north of iran you can book a flight for two hour and you can go getting a suntan in the south of iran this is the <laughs> wow uh, how you say like the contrast of living in a country with three different climates that's amazing and yeah that i would love for people to invite them to go and actually experience the life there absolutely that sounds incredible and i love hearing how hospitable everyone is you're right that's what tourists want we want to go to a country where people are happy we're there <laughs> there's some places i visited where i'm like oh they just think i'm uh, another human here kind of in the u.s i don't know if i would describe the u.s as being very welcoming but there's a couple other countries i won't name them because i'm not from them but i've showed up there and i'm like oh you don't really want me here maybe <laughs> i love hearing that everyone's welcome so i ask this question to every teacher on the podcast to Miriam. What is your personal definition of yoga? What I see in yoga is it's a type of discipline and a lifestyle that can teach us how we can train our mind to control better our minds. It's a very beautiful tool to help yourself in different aspects, whether it's physical, it's mental, and you can actually have access to it at the same moment where you're sitting. You don't need any tool. You don't need anything else other than yourself, your mind, and your breath and your body, of course. And this is like something I think it's accessible to everyone. And yoga itself, the biggest lesson it has taught me, it's about how to be at peace with how I am, with the right moment. Usually when my yoga students, they attend a class for the first time, what I tell them, it's always forget about any judgment that you have to yourself and just try to be present here with what you have in hand. Forget that you cannot touch your toes. You see the student next to you is bending 90 degree to the back and let's say she can do anything. Just forget about it and be at peace with what you have now and be in the present moment and try to take it one breath at a time. And I think this is what yoga is. As I said earlier, like being in the present moment, doing it as a lifestyle, like daily routine that you have, whatever you have, just have that principle, have that discipline to have it in a way in your life even if it's weekly, even if it's five minutes of deeply breath per day. There are some days that I don't uh, get the chance to step on my mat, but I know in my head that, okay, I have the five minutes now to sit and just reflect and close my eyes, take a deep breath. I know everything is okay. I know everything is going to be okay. I know it in my heart. I have to trust the moment. I have to be at peace at the moment. Yeah, we are all human. We can skip the moment we will get angry, but this will pass. This all it's this is what is life actually. It's like the combination of all these emotions and just not neglecting the negativity. Yeah, negativity is there. It's about the balance. Life is the darkness and the light together. But it's always to know that when the sun sets at night, the next morning, the sun rises again. 
So always try to be positive, keep this positivity going on, and always trust, trust, trust the process. This is what yoga has taught me. And this is the most important thing in my life. Ooh, I love it. Yes. Your words are so beautiful. And I could feel how much you meant them. I can feel how much what yoga has brought for you and taught you and is giving you every day. And you're right, even if it's five minutes. I love that reminder too, for me and for our listeners, that even if you don't have time for 60 minutes, 90 minutes, 30 minutes, if you have even just one minute to close your eyes and tap into your own breath, your own heart, your own emotions, the sensations, that is still yoga. Yoga is not asana. It's not the poses. It is concentration. It's self-study. It's meditation. You know, there's so many limbs. So any anytime we get to talk about that, Miriam, I think is a good time too. Yeah, exactly true. And yeah. Miriam, for any of our listeners today who maybe want to reach out, have a question for you, or you've said something that they want to follow up on, I'm going to link your Instagram in our show notes and on my website, wildyogatribe.com slash yoga in Iran. But would you like here on the podcast just to say the name of your Instagram account? Uh, yeah, sure. It's Mada Yoga, which is M-A dot D-A underline yoga. Perfect. I would be glad to connect your community. Thank you so much, Miriam, for being with me on the show today. I have loved getting to spend time with you and just having such a relaxed and honest and just beautiful conversation. So thank you. Thank you so much, Lily, for offering this beautiful time to yoga teachers. And you don't make people feel that they're far away from what they love doing. And I really loved listening to the community that you are inviting to your podcast. Like I I never knew that like about Majid Al-Mendari that you spoke with him, I suddenly randomly, I was playing some of the episodes mm-hmm. and I found the Majid podcast yeah. and I said, okay, well, maybe I should connect with him. So that's very nice that you're bringing all this community. I hope like there is one day I will come back and I see, wow, Lily hit 1,000. <laughs> she bring 1,000 people together. This is a very nice move that you did. for the gift of your attention today. If you feel called, please share this episode with someone who you think could benefit from it. Leaving a review would also be so appreciated. I also hope you can join me online on my website, wildyogatribe.com or on social media. I would love to get to know you better. I would love to share with you and to hear your thoughts. Send me a DM, send me a note, get in touch. It would be great to hear from you. And as always, Be well, dear one. Be well.